Hidely ho, listenerinos, the movie men are back in town, and for once, we have a full contingent. I'm Callum O'Toole, your host, and I'm as everyone joined by Johnny Smith. Hi, diddly ho. Hi, diddly ho. And James Pugh's back in the game. How you doing, my man? Well, I am very good, and it is very good to finally be back. They let you out of the asylum, then? They have, yes. We broke you out. I have, though. One of the steps is just not to talk about it, so if we just not discuss <laughs> where we've been, that'd be great. It was like that scene <laughs> of Batman Begins, where you just break out of Arkham. That's pretty much what it was like. Oh, or did, yeah, or did a giant Native American man throw a sink through the wall <laughs> to allow you to spring to freedom? <laughs> no, actually, I threw a sink through the wall for someone else. Well, James, when you were in the asylum, yes. did you have much time to you know, peruse some movie news of the week, see what was happening in the world of film? I, I did, yeah. And in the meantime, I've actually been trying to catch some of the Oscar films. Um... And I failed miserably. I have only seen a couple of them. So it was, I, I tried, but not very hard, you could probably say. Well, but, most of them come out the same time of the year. Just yeah. to like, try and flood in just before the actual I, ceremony happens. I managed to catch Shape of Water. Is like the only thing I've really been thinking or talking about recently, which was, um, which was very good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. One, uh, I don't think you were alone in that assessment. BAFTA for Best Director. Well uh, deserved. Dino de Toro. Yeah, I'd, I'd say... Um, this isn't the Shape of Water episode. This is going to get a cheeky yeah. little Shape of Water discussion <laughs> yeah. at the beginning yeah. of the episode. This is just a bonus review. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't think it would get Best Film, but I think Best Director is spot on, probably. I can't see anyone else. I being think the, the biggest disappointment film. probably is the fact that Michael Shannon hasn't been nominated for Best Supporting it's Actor. Criminal! The best performance I've seen for a very I've long never time. seen a man act so well at losing <laughs> yeah. his finger. Some of the best <laughs> finger losing acting I've seen oh, in a while. His finger losing good. Johnny, <laughs> what, Johnny, what has taken your fancy this uh, this month? Um, month? Well, I've, I've, <laughs> this month, I've this week. ploughed away uh, going through the the Oscar films, and uh, I've seen all the Best Picture nominees. Oh right, okay. No way. So um, that makes one of us in the room. So I have done that, and I can say, out of all of them, the post is far and away the worst. Right. Okay. Really is. You'd think having Meryl Streep films like that, but Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, and Steven Spielberg is like the. Super Award Trinity, <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's dull. Just missing so Daniel Day dull. Lewis. And yeah. then, so what's your pick then? We're not going to do a whole lot of because I think this, we did that this last year, year is... I think it was boring. So <laughs> it's true. This year, I think this is a strong year, and there's a lot of good good options well, out tough, there. The, but... the question is, who do you think is going to win, and who do you want to win? Oh, okay, I, yeah, I would like, yeah, okay. I would like Phantom Thread to win because mm-hmm. it's Daniel just great. And Daniel Day Lewis is in it, so it has to it's win. Guaranteed at least three. Um, I think we'll probably win. I think the Shape of Water might win because it's got that, you know, like the artist, the sort of magic of cinema, the magic of yeah. cinema, mm-hmm. sort of gloss and and sort of very nice to look at. But then La La Land had that, and that didn't win. Well, it did win, but then it immediately didn't win. <laughs> it didn't win, though, did it? No, but they read out that they. Uh, oh right, right, sorry, they sorry, sorry, they, sorry, they yeah, did sorry. the. Uh, the old, it was only last the old mix around. The old mix around. I would um, like Dunkirk or Lady Bird to win. I would yeah. like Dunkirk to. I think Dunkirk You'd would be like good Dunkirk best to win. director. I would like Christopher Nolan to get best director. But I, I, I think they'll just give it to three billboards. I think it's where the momentum lies as well. And Dunkirk's yeah. not, not got anything basically. No. I mean, he didn't even win at the Baftas. No, so yeah. if you can't win at the Baftas, it was, just, it was out ages ago though. Criminal. It was so good. Oof. It I didn't know, even I've, get Best British Film at the back. Wasn't, it wasn't even nominated. What? I wasn't that big a fan of it, personally, but I thought it was really? right. Yeah, I thought it was a bit empty. <sighs> it was Such like... a bigger story to be told than that. I understand, like, I thought it was, I understand why they went for the way they did, but yeah. I just felt it was a lot of missed opportunity. 
But wasn't that wasn't that the beauty of it though? Was the fact that it wasn't mm. supposed to be the grandiose. Did enjoy like the fact it went for the opposite. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan sort of approach. See, I'm that's one end of the spe- Ryan than yeah, Thin Red Line kind of. Thin Red Line is too far the other way. <laughs> yeah. Too much waffle. <laughs> okay. What have you been watching? Well, not a great deal actually. I've been grafting. I've been grafting James. But I did spot something film related. Uh, it was actually to do with Tesco. And um, oh. Tesco had a bit of a faux pas when it came to the Black Panther. Yeah. They started advertising the, uh, the outfit. Not as the Black Panther, but the Dark Panther, which has got kicked up a fuss, kicked up an absolute storm. Of course. Storm. I mean, as we know, Peter Rabbit so, throwing blueberries <laughs> is, is, is a storm. So. Is this political correctness gone mad? Or is this an intern messing up? I think... Is the problem that people are like, well, that's wrong, or are the people being like, Dark Panther's racist or offensive? Well, I think the, the, the real question is... Is this a, a Marvel or is it a licensed yeah. Black Panther material that they've made a mistake and accidentally called Dark Panther, or is this like we can't call it Black Panther because <laughs> this is like bootleg? Yeah, and we've kind of got to or, call it something similar. Or have they just got loads of like leftover Dark Knight stuff and they've just gone? We can just just cut the ears off together. It. Yeah, yeah, cut yeah. the ears off it. Maybe it's a little bit smaller. There you go. That's a panther. What's the difference between a bat and a panther? That is a philosophical question to ponder. <laughs> A man who works at the checkout in uh, Tesco and, yeah. then, and then fights, you know, vigilant, vigilante at night. lost club card to a customer. He, he, he clocks shoplifters in the day yeah. and then goes and, and duffs them up and, and reclaims their, you know, like when someone at the self-checkout puts through a, a croissant, an almond croissant as a normal croissant. He's, wa- he's watching and he's coming for you in the night. <laughs> Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. Right, so this week we will be casting our eyes over Lady Bird, the coming-of-age film, which is uh, sort of the film of the moment with... Uh, and how do we pronounce this, Johnny? You told me before. Well, it, it's like inertia. Sersha. Sersha. Sersha Ronan Keating. Sersha Inertia Ronan Keating. Yeah, as the title character. Um, so this film is blowing up, it's fair to say. I saw it described as the perfect coming-of-age film. Ooh. Um, ooh, James Q with a ooh straight off the bat, so let's come to you, James. Not something you agree with, then? No, I mean, it's not something I've thought about, but... It's definitely up there. Um, I wondered... I didn't really know loads about it going in, and I kind of questioned in a kind of... Not in a, not in a sexist way, but just in a... Maybe it was, maybe it was subliminal, like, subconsciously way. Was it the patriarchy? Was, maybe, was running <laughs> through your veins? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was just about... Down with this sort of thing. It's about... Not only is it a kind of main story set in America, you know, it is about a, the strong relationship between a daughter and their mother, which is very different, and obviously being raised a boy I didn't know whether I would get that as much do you know what I mean like it's different when I watched Royal Tenenbaums I was in floods of tears throughout the entire thing <laughs> anything to do with Sons of the Dad and I'm in pieces just like Road to Perdition uh, got, don't yeah. even like, on anything like that I'm just in bits so I was kind of wondered whether I would connect with it as much um, but I actually really did and I think the time setting is really important as well because it was a time when we grew up like the early noughties and Everyone's scared of mobile phones. Everyone's listening to like Alanis Morissette and stuff like that. It just Still, felt mate. so, even though it was set in Sacramento, which is so different to where we grew up, it still felt really relatable. 
it is very much like a typical coming of age film in mm. one sense. But I think it's got such a strong script. Yeah. By Greta Gerwig. The, the mm. characters are so well thrashed out in the conversations they have. And, Greta um, Gerwig also directed as well. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing is that it, you know, the sort of Breakfast Club and all those 80s films are sort of the the proto sort of, you know, yeah. coming of age American teenage thing. But they're all very glossy and, mm. you know, a bit cheesy. Whereas, and very much feel like they're just aimed at teenagers. Whereas this was like mm. a coming of age there was a serious drama, but it still had it, it, comedy entertainment and and those films you mentioned. Acute well, observations. The message is is so obvious the whole way through, and it's very sunshiny and and like. And at the end, they go to you know, it's, yeah. you appear in a dress, and everything's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think this had more nuance to it. And yeah. I think, as you said, the fact it draws heavily on the relationship between Lady Bird and her parents. Mm. That is sort of. Where I think it differentiates itself and makes it something yeah. that's sort of beyond just the standard genre. It film. wasn't about a coming of age story of of falling in love, falling out of love, realizing you can move on. Like a lot of these are all about how your first love affects your growing up. A lot of these coming of age films, and this has that. But as you said, the the key relationship is her and a mum, which I think is something that isn't. I've not seen many films personally that delves and deals with it in the way that Lady Bird did. Freaky which Friday. Which really... Well, it's, this, it's interesting because it's she has, on the surface, a terrible relationship with the mother, but, but does she? And I think that's the, what I the think, whole film As you about. said, that's the thing, is that there sort of is, you know, the, the love interests mm. that she has, which is sort of more part of the teenage world and growing yeah. up. But the main thing is with her mum yeah. and dad, really. And I think that, you know, it's mainly... You know, mother and daughter sort of warring, but getting on, trying to do the best for each other, but maybe not quite getting there. But also the relationship with her dad <sighs> is very good as well because he's the sort of like docile, nice parent who sort of mm. is the middleman between the warring daughter and mum. And I think, you know, that was a very understated relationship, but actually was a very good, realistic oh, one, the- which works, you know, in tandem with... The sort of fiery when he sat at that computer and she's yelling. That one scene, I just, I, I almost, I, I put my head in my hands. It's so difficult to watch, um, and I think that got to see for everyone's performance as well. I think Timothy Chalamet, who played, <laughs> I know, strong I think, use of Timothy Chalamet on the pod, and, <laughs> who played Kyle. Yes, it, he was the, the brooding. Yeah, like the only one wanker like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He was in a band like read books and like, I don't have a mobile phone because like the government track you and. It would share the time just... sound. It where she, she's like, "Oh, this guy's really cool." And he, yeah, you know, he's like, "I don't do that <laughs> shit." Yeah. You know, do you you gonna go and watch the TV? And he's like, "I don't buy into the mass media." That sort of thing. <laughs> But so, then obviously, you know, when you watch it, you go, this is the sort of ridiculous way yeah. teenagers act because it looks kind of cool. And then you go, what a knob. <laughs> so talking about the two main female leads, uh, Laurie Metcalf and Insertia Conan the Barbarian. So those two are, have been heavily talked about in the Oscar oh. conversation. Jo- Johnny, you've already brought up the Oscars so far. We're not too far away from it. So would they be worthy? Well, there's obviously there's been some very strong actress in leading role uh, it- Performances so far, I think yeah, year. it is a. T- I think Frances McDormand was always going to be the favourite for mm. best actress, and she's very good. But I actually think I would m- much prefer yeah. Sasha Ronan to get it because I think it's a very very good performance, mm. and it just is the. It's you know it's a perfect blend of comedy and 
sort of naivety, but also she's, you know, very bright and aware of what's going on. And, you know, it just... They have been going she, she isn't, You know, yeah. sometimes those characters are a bit pathetic and they're a bit like, why is nobody like me? But very she's very strong-minded. I think that's the great thing is that she's so strong-willed, but maybe... You know, belligerently so. Yeah, you know, she does have moments of she does have moments of weakness where she's either made a bad decision and everything's going wrong, or as an audience member, sat there and going like, "Why have you done that?" When she's like neglecting a friend and stuff, and you think like, "Oh, she's being a right coward," but like you still really like her and care about her. And then when she gets upset, you're like, "Oh man," you know. And I think that's really difficult to do because you said it would be very easy for a teenage character like that just mm. to sit and watch them just go, "You fucking idiot." And what about Laura Metcalf as well? She, she, she was shooing. superb. She's yeah, so good. She's, she's got to win brilliant. it. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I think she's probably... Um, she's got to be... Alison Janney at, and I, Tonya is obviously won the BAFTA and I know, seems to fail. But I think, yeah, I think Laura Metcalf would be a, a deserved winner. It'd be a shame if she Alison didn't. Alison Janney just quite similar in most things, hasn't she? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think they both would be worthy winners. I think yeah. that's where the... I think that, you know, the best... Supporting actress and, and actress be, and the script as well. Original yeah. screenplay would be. I don't think she'll get director, which is a shame because mm. I think in other years it very feasibly could have won. I just think up against Shape of Water, just the whole because it's not a showy film in the sense no. that you know Dunkirk or Shape of Water are very much visual mm. things. Whereas this is a I believe it's low key drama. I think that's her first. It's her directorial debut. Yeah, I think. yeah, because yeah. yeah, she's but, written yeah. a few. She wrote Francis Hart. Yeah, Fran- and you know she's always sort of she's very good at writing, sort of mm. middle class millennial, sort of like you know youthful <laughs> lives of what you do when you graduate and mm. don't really know what you're doing yourself. And this is almost like a prequel to Francis Hart, and it's like you wanting to leave home and go. I'm going to get all this culture and go to university, and then Francis Hart is like. You've done all that, and then you go. Well, what do I do now? That I'm kind of like a middle class yeah. Ken Loach. Yeah, possible. Oh. <laughs> In a roundabout way. Five stars. I'm just saying, if Ken, you know, if, if if Ken Loach defines the working class uh, films, then Greta Gerwig maybe she defines the middle class. Films, I think she she is you know the the sort of coming yeah. of age film. Sorry. Yeah. I think um, instead of you, Kez, she's got like a dash hunt, <laughs> a chihuahua. That's, yeah. no, that's not really middle class, is it? That's it. Maybe a it's French bulldog, just a Labrador. <laughs> yeah, just a Labrador. Just a Labrador. <laughs> Golden Retriever. Yeah, yeah. Called um, Lab. <laughs> I think. Or champ. Yeah, I think the the sort of perhaps the only bit of the film that where it drifts a bit is at the, right at the end. I think it's tough. It kind of tries to do that Wes Anderson thing where blisters toward an ending and then slams the brakes on and then almost just rolls to a stop which is which is kind of nice and where Sanderson bang you always have a bit of a dramatic climax something horrible and then just winds down you kind of get this feeling of like like there's almost like an epilogue of the last part of the film for a lot of yeah. these films whereas this it kind of felt like it had done that and then bang you get the answer that last section needed to either be longer or not there at all yeah I think it's kind of like she knows how she wants to end it yeah and you have to do a few scenes to get to that point and it's kind of like well let's whiz through them so I can get the ending I want yeah. and it, it's I mean you know it's not a massive issue with the film but it's probably the no. one bit where you think that could be uh, tweaked ever so slightly I sat in the cinema on my own watching it as well and I was the only one laughing for a lot of it but I I thought it was very funny I think some of the, the music was good some of the stage you know like the school stage productions they do yeah. are great comic value 
Yeah. Those really naff musical numbers that all the kids do, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. looking slightly depressed having to do them as well. Lots of rainbows in the background. And the, the br- a brother and sister, well, brother and a girlfriend are good as well. Well, they were from Miguel. Miguel. Yeah. Which they never really go into. Which is great. Where Miguel comes from. <laughs> no, which I just love. And and that's kind of you know quite bold in a way because you go, why is Miguel like the Hispanic brother? But no one else in the family is Hispanic. And no one mentions. Like in King of the Hill, when there's whether the, he has uh, you know like different... Native American son, oh, yeah. and no one talks about it. So uh, out of ten, fellas, uh, let's start with you, James. See, uh, another sharp in hell. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. You're a I very th- generous man with your mark. I, I know, but I, oh, I, I really enjoyed. It. I think it's because I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to, mm. and I think because of that, it caught me on the back foot. It took me in. Loved the music. Loved the acting. It was emotional. It was funny. I don't know, again, other than what Johnny said in terms of maybe the ending needed tweaking, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'd change about it. So I think purely based on that, I've got to give it a nine. Isn't it great to have some positivity back in the pod? Which is me and you like Stanley and Waldorf just sitting there going, oh, yeah. down with this, it's uh, terrible. I mean, I like last now. week, last yeah. week where we were like, well, Black Panther wasn't shit. <laughs> That was yeah, literally yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. level of our price. Yes. We were like, surprisingly, it wasn't that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been rocking back and forth. That was so good. Yeah. Um, I think I'll go with I'll go with an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Very specific. Because I think the thing is, it's a film that eat, that you could quite easily go. Oh, this is just not my cup of tea. But it's yeah. so tight the script and the acting's so good and it's just such a you know scenario that I think you know parents would get and sons and daughters can, can yeah. get. And from both those two different camps, you sort of on you know you go through the same things and you can relate to it and it's. In amongst all, you know, Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Blade Runner, all these massive films and, and, you know, like, Phantom Thread, very polished, Daniel Day-Lewis, this is just a nice, low-key, quality, brilliantly acted and written drama. So I think an 8.5. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Right then, quiz time. And um, seeing as we haven't had you in for a little while, James, I'm going to pit you two against each other oh, this time. So, um, yeah, as as I like to do, um, what what noise are you going to make as your... It's going to be a fastest finger so or fastest noise. So decide what your noises are going to be. Um, I'm going to go with... Well, I've just seen the IT crowd box set, so I'm just going to go, Father! Come on. <laughs> okay, that's going to be James. I might just go... I'll just go with the classic Alan Partridge. Aha! Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Short so, sweet. So, listeners, just so you're aware, uh, James is saying, Father! And Johnny's saying, Aha! So you'll know who's... Very who's similar vowels. Yeah, <laughs> Father! Father! <laughs> Hello there. Um, so this is, I think I was smoking crack when I came up with this. So You were the, smoking something, you just it might have been crack. In front of me I have seven, the names of seven films, right? Okay. All of which are related to a different bug. For okay? sake. Or bugs. Bug or bugs. <laughs> right? So this, but this isn't even the bad part, yeah. This is the smoking crack part. I'm going to give you, I'm going to start naming... Actors first in the films. Okay. Whoever gets it first obviously gets the point. If you don't get it from, because I've only got two or three actors written down, then I'm going to go on to the year of the film, then the director, and then finally 
the specific Fin bug. finally you're just gonna shout the name of the film out of the <laughs> specific bug. I'll tell you how many legs the bug has. <laughs> <laughs> give you its Latin name. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a small sample here. Just... <laughs> yeah. I've got one of those boards with all the butterflies and nails. Do, we're it. gonna do a touch test. I've got it inside one of those box those wooden boxes you get at like a nature reserve with a with a black thing over the top oh, of yeah. it. You just gotta put your hands inside and find out what it is. <laughs> So it's a bush tucker trial. <laughs> it's a bush, yeah, yeah. But we'll do taste testing finally. <laughs> right, so first off, right, this is your film number one. So, first actor in it, Gina Davis. Father! James? Beetlejuice. No. Ooh, do you want to go? No, I'm, I'm going to have to. Free hit. Uh, th this is going to give it away. Second actor, Jeff Goldblum. Aha! Oh, James. I, James I went to, you did say something different. Because I went to shout the name of the film <laughs> and then I went. <laughs> we went to Beetlejuice again. F oh, no, I didn't. No, You're you going to say Beetlejuice three times? Oh, no, I meant to shout, oh right. Yeah, sorry. I said it three times. I meant to say The Fly. The Fly, the fly is fly. correct, yes. Film number two Hayden Panettiere. A very young Hayden Panettiere as well, I think. Okay, no. David Hyde Pierce. Are these actors or just people? <laughs> these are just people. Kevin Spacey. Ooh. Um. 1998. Give it a stab if you want to. Uh, you won't get it from this. Director John Lasseter. <laughs> is it arachnophobia? It is not. The only bug-related 90s film I could think it's of. It's not arachnophobia. Uh, and then finally, it's a mixed crew of bugs take a stab in the dark guys aha day of the locust no that's... James <sighs> ants no it's... oh it's kept bugs life a bugs life yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay number three should have just guessed a bugs life uh, number Devastating, three I didn't get that <laughs> John Goodman uh, a father! Arachnophobia. <laughs> Arachnophobia. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether to put John Goodman or Jeff Daniels first, but yeah. I was going to... Yeah, so arachnophobia, there you go. See, you always think you're not going to get any of these, and then you start getting them. I don't know. Number four. Pete Postlethwaite. Uh, father! <laughs> James the Giant Peach. James the oh, Giant Peach. Cool. Can I ask you where the bug is in the title of James the Giant Peach? Oh, I didn't say it was in the title. It's oh. based around bugs. Oh, right. Question number five. This is probably the most difficult one. Henry Fonda. Catherine Ross, Michael Kay, 1978. Ooh. Directed by Irwin Allen. <laughs> ah, yes, that's the famous <laughs> Irwin Allen. It's on the tip of your tongue. And finally, it's about killer bees. Bloody Nora. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Father. James. Is it Night of the Killer Bees? It's not Night of the Killer Bees. Do you only want to have a swing? Aha, uh -huh. I'll say. Beasting. No, <laughs> Beasting. That's a, that's a different type of film entirely. Um, no, it's uh, The Swarm. The universally panned The Swarm. Well, Henry Fonda really career went down the pan very quickly. Yeah, he stopped that, caring, didn't he? I've never seen it, but apparently it's terrible. Michael Caine famously did go through the, the old 70s yes. and 80s, very ropey period in Michael Caine's career. Uh, okay, number six. Uh, <laughs> Dougie Doug, who has previously come on the podcast from Cool Runnings. Of course, how could we forget? Scarlett Johansson, David Arquette. Oh, uh, father! Eight legged freaks. James, oh. eight legged freaks. He's just too good at this. He's, He's killing my, me. Your bug knowledge is far superior to mine. And finally, question number seven uh, Sharon Stone, Sylvester Stallone, 
Christopher Walken. Slime the family Sly. stone. <laughs> stone. <laughs> Steve Stone. Um, the Rock. <laughs> a hard place. Gene Hackman. Oh, a hard Woody Ants. Ants. Oh, I was going to say, but process elimination, it must, it must be Ants. Ants has got to be in there. Yeah, 1998. Ants, apparently, when they were, when DreamWorks produced it, because DreamWorks was set up by a guy who used to work at Disney, uh, they found out that um, Pixar were developing Bugs Life at the, at the time, and they were due to come out at the same time, and Bugs Life was going to change their release date to be the same as Ants, because it was supposed to be another time, sorry, and what DreamWorks told them, if you change the date of Bugs Life, we'll cancel Ants, we won't make it. So like okay, and then they didn't, and they still made it. Made nobody. <laughs> I so mean, Ant was always going to struggle when you've cast Woody Allen so as, as a neurotic Ant. I suppose another one for the quiz could have been you could have done the Mummy and Scarab Beetles. I could have done that. Is but that is niche. Quite niche. Quite Very niche. Well, human cat, uh, human bug. centipede, the human centipede, yeah. But then no actual bugs any, in it. And you would you well you wouldn't have known any of the actors in it, would you? That's true. So that would have been. Oh, here we go. This is when James pulled the name off the top of his head. <laughs> I'd recognise the name of the German doctor if I saw it. Right. Is it Daniel Brühl? <laughs> no. Is it the bloke from Good Will Hunting? Skarsgård Senior. Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> yeah. They're like Pokemon and he's like the final evolution of Skarsgård. Yeah. Like you the give him a fire stone. Like Charizard. There, is a, there must be another one. There's so many Skarsgårds. And then yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. There's, Al- there's Bill... Alex. Is is Bill a Skarsgård or a Sarsgård? Sarsgård. Skarsgård. Skarsgård. So Bill is related to... Stellan. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they all live in Isengard. Because <laughs> Peter's a Sarsgård. Well, how do the Hemsworths fit into this? Interesting. <laughs> they must be related somehow, yeah. isn't there? Uh, and then everybody's somehow related to Nicolas Cage and Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. That's a whole... And Presley. And then Andy Garcia is... No, not Andy Garcia, the other one. Just Emilio a... Estevez is, a... is Charlie yes. Sheen's brother. Yeah. And their dad's... Yeah. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Not yeah. Michael Sheen. No. Right, last, last Mis- section. Mr. Sheen. Mr. Sheen, yeah. Sheen the Sheet. <laughs> Sheen Bean. <laughs> Sheet Bean. Oh my God, bees, bees, millions of bees. Get above him, man. Take it up. Ah, I can't, sir. I am losing power. Well, thankfully, it's almost the end of the show. <laughs> but we do have one section left to get to, to battle through before we're all allowed to go home. Well, cheers for the send-up on that one. <laughs> so, uh, we're welping, welcoming James back into the loop by letting him tell us about a movie title that he's seen... Right. He's decided to riff on the plot with. So this is our favourite section. Well, my favourite section of the show. It's called This is the Title, What is the Movie? So James, what have you got for us? The film was You Were Never Really Here, uh, which I saw and immediately stood out to me because it's very similar to a Manchester City chant. Right. Which my I... inspiration for this. So. <laughs> okay, what's the Man City chant? Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not really here. Right. What does that really refer to? Which I think there's a, there's a documentary or a book... With that title, about City. 
so it's summer 2018 and Manchester City has just won the quadruple. So that's the bit we've all got to pretend. Still... And then Dan Byrne and Wigan Athletic <laughs> strolled into the scene. <laughs> Uh, so it's summer. Tw- so let's say 2019 now, because it's still possible next yeah. year. So it's summer 2019, and City has just won the quadruple. What ten years ago seemed impossible, and two years ago seemed improbable, Man City have made history. Gavin, lifelong City fan, has just had the, the best night of his life. 9 a.m. the next morning, his alarm goes off as usual. However, there is nothing usual about this day. <laughs> Gavin has awoken to discover no one remembers the Mighty Blues history-making result last night. In fact, no one remembers any of Manchester City's achievements for the past ten years. <laughs> Gavin has woken up in a world where Man City were never bought by oil tycoons and had never achieved success. Decades of singing, singing we're not really here has come back to bite Gavin as he must figure out what is wrong, his memory, or the world around him. Why is Ben Thatcher managing Manchester City? How have AC Milan won four consecutive Champions Leagues. How did Bebe win a Ballon d'Or? This rags to riches and rags again tail will entertain football fan and football fan alike. It looks like Gavin was never really there, or was he? And then the spoiler is, he was never really there. The whole thing was a spice-induced hallucination of the Metro. <laughs> <laughs> I love the payoff. I love the payoff. Yeah. Um, so is this an alternative reality where, where Paul Dickoff never scored that penalty against Gillingham? And, yeah, and, and it never happened. Stay down in League One. Yeah. It was all a spice-induced hallucination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to play Gavin? Who's going to play Gavin? I'm thinking James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> That man screams spice. He just uh, screams. Is, is Ben Thatcher playing himself? Uh, it's dangerous I, for cast and crew. Yeah, I think he probably cameos himself. So James, don't take this as a criticism, but you're a writer. Yeah. And and your your conclusion is he woke up and it was all a spice-induced dream. Well, for, for, you know, I was wrote this off the clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I like it, I like it. Is it going to be like Jacob's Ladder, where he, he spends the whole film seeing weird shit, and he's like, what's going on? And then in the end, he's yeah. just dead. It's just, yeah, it's just other spice-mad people. You know, it's, it's like the Sixth Sense. It's really good. It's got a deep undertone about, you know... The, this is when, the, when the only people he can speak to, he works out cleverly through clever camera work. He's only ever speaking to other people on Spice. <laughs> I, wor- I worry like about... Like in the sixth sense, yeah. no one's actually talking to him. I worry about Corden's Spice pose, though. He's not the most flexible I'm now. thinking maybe you need someone like Andy Serkis, who can sort of, you know... Just... We can CGI him if, if in doubt. <laughs> yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't even need to really be there. That man's folded in half. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it? It's hard to say... Would anybody object if I tore this floor out? I would. False alarm, then lead on. Well, we have come to the end of our journey, listeners, so thank you for joining us on it. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with some more films to dig our teeth into. That's, is that post-Oscars? We'll be here Sunday. Yes, we, yeah. we can do Red Sparrow, because then we can have a quiz on films with birds in. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just, just a big biology lesson, this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm obviously not going to do that, else that'll just give you a chance to revise. I know what you two are like. <laughs> real, real buffs, real bird buffs. <laughs> um, so, please, in the meantime, do follow us on Twitter. And I said Facebook last week, and I almost said it again, even though we don't really do Facebook. Yeah. So just Twitter and uh, subscribe on iTunes so we can get them listens up. And even if you listen to iTunes, just listen on SoundCloud again. Just, makes us just feel have better. it in the background. Just have it, yeah. Just, 
Just all, all like you used to do back in the day on MySpace, where you had like theme music on your page. Just have this theme mm-hmm. music for your life. Just a theme <laughs> podcast that's playing in the background. Maybe we should get on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, I think Facebook is, is 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 had has been. Yeah, I mean, let's retro, bring MySpace back. Retro is like, where it's at, isn't it? Like vinyl, but of social media. So it's like, <laughs> oh, you got Facebook, fucking loser. You're not yeah. on MySpace. Yeah. Maybe you're not on MySpace again. Not I'm on Friends Fe- Reunited. Bebo. What are you talking about? <laughs> Right, so let's get out of here. James, thank you for being with us. Goodbye. Well, thank you. And Johnny, you serve too. Thank you. Listeners, we're going to go off and form ourselves a human centipede. Till next week. <laughs>